Welcome to Headlines. This is David Lichtenstein here in the Yeshiva Shalmaila. And this week's program with Bain HaMetzarim will be about the Holocaust. Ramosha famously said, uh, my father actually asked him, he said, why don't we make a, mem- a memorial day for the Holocaust? And Ramosha said that in the Tainus of Tishabov and the day of Tishabov is commemorated and included all of the tragedies that happened to Klal Yisrael. And I would say that I'm being myself now, both on a Klaliistic level, to Knesset Yisrael, to Umas Yisrael, to Beis Yisrael. And I guess on some level, on a personal level, it commemorates our personal tragedies as well, on a family level, etc. So we went to a number of Rabbanim. We, over the last generation, there have been many who have spoken about the Holocaust. We've had, you know, from the yeshiva world, we've had Rav Hutna wrote some and spoke very famously some about the Holocaust. From Rabbi Vigdemilla, Miller, they just put out a book about the Holocaust. The, 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 the Holy Ramash, the Chabadska, said, spoke about the Holocaust. The, uh, the Satmar Rebbe spoke about the Holocaust. The, the modern Orthodox, Rabbi Yashuber Soloveitchik. So we figured, why not do a program on Tisha B'Av about how does the Maimon understand the Holocaust? We have uh, Rabbi Yankee Feitman, the Rav of Killer Space, who is a very famous Rav, author, speaker, Talmud of Rafutna. He said he sat with Rafutna for seven hours to write the speech about the Holocaust. We have the grandson of Rav Avigdamilla and the Rav of his shul, Rabbi Leo Brog. We have the author from Chabad to, to tell us the, 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 the Chabadska, what the, the Lubavitch Rebbe said. We have the author of the Sichas Kaidesh of the Lubavitch Rebbe, and the writer of Towards a Meaningful Life, Reb Simon Jacobson. From Satma, we have Ramosha Arye Kahana, Satma Talmud. We have Ramosha Targin. He's a Rashiva in Gush Etzion. He will be telling us a more, uh, more for Rabbi Yashiber Salavechik, uh, etc., how they look at it. Now we will have one survivor, Mrs. Epstein, a Holocaust survivor, talk about her experience. So this should be a very interesting program. Some of our upcoming programs are going to be being Jewish in the workplace. What does that mean? Eating in a non-kosher cafe, shaking hands with a woman, going to a holiday or other party after work, uh, doing some eth- uh, something unethical, but halakhically allowed, but unethical, because your boss requires it. Uh, another pro, some more new upcoming programs, are you responsible for your spouse's Yerushamayim? Your wife wants a heksha you don't want, or she doesn't want a daven, or your husband doesn't want to get out of bed to go to Minyan. How responsible are you for your spouse's Yerushamayim? We will have a program about girls' education. What do we look for at? Seminaries. Are they valuable? Are they just a shidduch tool? Do they, are they, or are they just a way for many people in Israel to earn a very good living at their 20000 or $30,000 fee? We will have a program about intimacy in halacha. Achasen and Kala teachers teaching it all wrong. And we will be, have a show on Maisek Safim. Uh, many Shilas, uh, contemporary Shilas of Maisek Safim, supporting your kids in Kala, uh, paying for their education after they're six years old. Is that many of the other contemporary Shilas? We have some very interesting programs as well as some guest hosts coming up. Before we go, I would like to say a short thought on Tishabav. You know, being that Tishabav is the source of all our tragedies, or many of our tragedies, so here's a question. Moshe Rabbeinu says in the parsha that always precedes Tishabav, Dvarim, 
I just can't do it. Now here's what's amazing. The Miraglim said, We can't. We can't. And they're criticized. How does a person say, Well, Moshe Rabbeinu says, also. He says, and the, the chilek seems to be very obvious. Here he says, Le'ucha levadi. Eicha esa levadi. I can't do it by, alone. Where, are, where is everybody else? Where are you? Why did you turn the other eye when you saw that person? You know that he's distressed. You know he's going through a hard time. Where are you? Le'ucha levadi. That's what he says. And you know, when you think of it, what is the, one of the premier differences between man and animal? I once heard over from one of the, uh, I think his name was Dusseldorfer, a Russian uh, sociologist, I'm sorry, an English sociologist. He said, a primary difference, one of the two differences is between man and animal. He says, just imagine, he says, if a man and an animal were shipwrecked on, a, on an island, big giant island, the man is stuck. Imagine Hashem, you were stuck on a big island. What are you going to do? You know how to plant food. You know how to, and even if you could, who's going to build your shelter while you're doing it? He says, but if you had a monkey with you, the monkey would jump into the trees. He would eat fruits. He would find nuts. He knows what's poisonous, what's not poisonous. He could sleep out in the cold. You go, you know, animals sleep in the cold. He says, the man would perish and the animal would live. So he says, then the question is, why do you own the zoos and the animals don't own the zoos if they're so much hardier? So he propositioned the following answer. He said, if you put a thousand animal monkeys on the island and a thousand humans, he says, then the humans would, would win and the animals wouldn't. Why? One man would plant, one man would create the plow, one man would chop in the blade, one man would do the mining for the metal, one man would be put watering, would be putting, ho- be venting a hose, a seed, etc. He said, our ability to act as a community, what we call in Klal Yisrael, we call a tzibur, right? A poirishman a tzibur, minion, knesses Yisrael. Right? What does that mean? We can act together, whereas a thousand monkeys on an island, I mean, there's really very little. There's some small familial family on a family level cooperation, but after that, there's no ability to act in orchestra with each other. Look at society. When you sit down by a table, the table comes from one country, the wood is from another, the craftsmanship there, the steel from the screws from another, you cheer. Everything is all done through cooperation. So what does Maisha say? You know what the beginning of tragedy is? What happened to our sense of community, our sense of village, our sense of responsibility, family? What happens to family when, when people cheat? Not just cheating, it means we're uprooting, we're tearing up the fabric of society. And that's what the, when the famous Targum Unkwa says, when he says, when Hashem creates Adam, what does he define Adam? Ruach Mamalala, a speaking man, the ability to communicate the story of communication, of responsibility. When I went into, many, many years ago, I went into real estate alongside my learning, and um, I asked, uh, I was in construction, I asked uh, one of our contractors, I said, how many pounds does a two-by-four hold? He said, 600 pounds. I said, 
this building you're making, which was at that point was a wood, a three-story house, I said, it's all with, with two-by-fours. How much is the roof weigh? He said, oh, the roof, they have a slate roof they're putting on. It's going to be, I don't know, 500 tons. I said, so how does a 600-pound thing carry something, a 1,000 pounds, its weight? He says, no, no. One two-by-four itself could carry 500 pounds. But when you truss it and you tie it together and you tie it into the infrastructure of a house, he says, then it can carry a thousand times its weight, maybe 10,000 times its weight. So what does Moshe say? What's the source of tragedy is Lavadi, Badad, loneliness. It starts off the Medrash says, with Echa Esa Lavadi, and it ends with Echa Yashva Badad. The beginning of all pain of destruction is when we stop speaking to each other. We stop looking the other way from each other. We don't communicate. We lose our sense of family, our sense of village. So what is a tikkun, possibly, of the sinaschinam that created this tragedy, the churban that we're in now for 2,000 years? Right? This, the, the, is no more levadi. The, the, the answer to sinas chinam is a havas chinam. We see somebody in pain. We pick up a phone. We reach out our arm. We take out our wallet. We open our house. We open our kitchen, our Shabbos table. We open our hearts. If we open up our hearts and it's no more levadi, loneliness isn't the saddest thing, the loneliness we can be lonely as singles. We can be lonely married. We can be lonely in a room full of people. What does Moshe say? It's all about Levadi. Echa usa Levadi. If we can eliminate Levadi, we won't have any more Echa Yashva Badad. All hatred, war, strife, jealousy comes from Badad, Levadi. No communication. No Ahafas Chinam. Let's be Mesakin. This Tishabav the Churban, by saying, I'm a Kabbal on myself, the mitzvah of a Havas Chinam, of a Haftalarecha Kamecha, Mehera Yiban HaMikdash. Let's go to our guests. Beforehand, our riddle. Everybody knows, Erev Tishabav, there's no mitzvah laharbish b'maychel. In fact, the Rambam in Hilchus Tainis in Perikeya Lachates says, Meyameinu loyachaldu b'erev Tishabav, Tafshil afilu shaladashim. Ram says we never, the Ram says we don't even we don't make any celebration. There's no fancy meals there of Tishabav, no big meals. He says anything. We didn't even have bean stew. He says only Shabbos is the exception. Right? Now here's the Pella. Erev Yom Kippur. What's the halacha? Mitzvah lechol harbis besudar shalchan aruch in the beginning of Tafresh Tamadalad, and it's a sugya rucha and yuma and peyalaf amadalaf. It says anisem esnaf sheisechem. So the Mepharshim, many Mepharshim say, what's the reason? Right? The reason is, they say, time of the Kra, because, and the Russian of the Taz is, hechino atzmechem for tomorrow, prepare yourself for the venisem of tomorrow by eating today. Right? The Rabbani Shvel Moschas, to, to fast a whole day, so he says, prepare yourself, Erev Yom Kippah. So the question is, does it didn't have preparation, Erev Yom Kippah, and when Marba why isn't there a din of preparation, Erev Tishabav, not brought down in, not in the Shulchan Aruch, not in Shas, not in the Paiskim, that there's any mitzvah harbis besud Erev Tishabav. Watch the difference. That's our riddle of the week. Let's go to our wonderful guests. We have the honor of having with us on the phone uh, the Rav of Gehillah's base, Yehuda Tzvi in Cedarhurst. Uh, he's also a Talmud of the Rashiva of Chaim Berlin, 
of Rafut the Zechariah Levracha. He's a well-known writer for Mishpacha. He's written many books and Sfarim. He's written far back as the Jewish observer. He's a Musmach of Rav Moshe, a Musramach of Rav Gifta, uh, uh, Rabbi Yaakov Feitman from the Five Towns. Welcome. Shalom Aleichem, a pleasure. Rav Feitman, you wrote an article uh, in a Sefer um, called The Path Through the Ashes of a speech that Rav Hutna Zechariah Levracha gave to, at a convention of Menalim and Mechanchem, Ari, the, uh, you know, the, the, the Teuridika Hashkafa towards the Holocaust. And I understand that you didn't just write it as one of the listeners, but Rav Hutna called you in, he was mamana you to write it, and he sat with you privately, read what you wrote, commented on it before it was published. Is that so? Yeah, that's absolutely so. I would like to also give some credit to Rabbi Chaim Floyman Zatzal, um, who just recently passed away, who wrote the first draft. And then you're right, the Rosh Hashiva called me in. And uh, I'm both proud to say, but it, at the time it was incredible, I spent seven hours with him writing it together. So could you relate to us the question, in other words, what was this Ashkafa? How could so many... Erlacha, Kedoshim, a million and a half children. What is Ashkafa? How could that happen to us? Right. So th- that's a very good question. It is, uh, in short, because it's, it's quite a long, uh, it was a long presentation and it's a long article, uh, and the follow-up is long. So I'll, I'll give you the uh, essence. The Shiva Zatzal was not happy with the terms Shoah and Holocaust because he felt that that separates it from Jewish history. So he preferred, and he actually was the one that I think coined the term Chorban Europa, and that was his term of choice, because it places that tremendous tragedy in the context of what he called Yiddish Yisurim, Jewish suffering. And um, what he explained was that periodically there's a thing that descends upon cloud Yisrael called the Teichacha. The first Teichacha, the second Teichacha, or in this case he felt it was Nitzavim Vayelach, by the way. And there's no explaining any one aspect of Korban because the totality is what eventually, in the Jewish eschatology, the way that we look at the entire history of Am Yisrael, it includes both suffering, Golos, and Geula. That's the essence of, 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 the, of the entire article. And why does this occur? So the, it's part of, well, it's, it's part of, the, in perspective, it's part of the whole Mahalach of the Nitzis of Klal Yisrael, but to somebody who lost siblings, parents, um, Children, how, how do you explain it? Okay, so it's in the Teichacha and it happens, and, and therefore... Right, so so he, he explained as follows. It's interesting that after he spoke, there was widespread misunderstanding of one thing. People thought that he was saying that the Holocaust, let's just use the term for a moment because it's the most common term, the Holocaust happened because of various sins. There were G'dayim that said that, and in fact, some of the G'dayim that you mentioned that I was close to held like that. Rav Hutner did not hold like that. He held that... I'll just say the Yiddish, select of Yiddish places. He said it's resting on Claudius Israel's shoulders that this is how we get to the final um, denouement of, of, and I, I, I think he even used the French term, to the final geula. So, Gaulus includes suffering, but there's always a reason. So, what what is the reason? So, he did declare, 
at mostly at the second time that he spoke about this, what he called the Chazarashir, that there had been a slow decline of Klal Yisrael from the time of the uh, Haskola, roughly a 200-year period, and one of the reasons that the, the Holocaust slash Germany roughly came from Germany is because the Haskola started in Germany. So when you talk about people that, and, and he was, by the way, very, very strong about not saying this to survivors necessarily. He told me that when I speak to an audience, if there are survivors there, don't talk about chassashon, tit for tat, or, or, or um, even punishment. He didn't believe that this was a punishment. It was an einish. But it came to cloud Yisrael, like it says in the Torah, um, in the, in the, in the, um, in the, but again, the pastors in the, the Vayelach this nation will fall into the lure of the Gentiles. I will hide my face. So this is what many have written, that it was Hester Panim. The Holocaust was Hashem hiding his face. But now comes the part that almost nobody else said, to my knowledge. The next two words are frightening, his words. They will be consumed by their enemies. Terrible things will happen. Then, the they will say, who is they will say, cloud yourself. Why did this happen to me? Because I did not feel Hashem in my midst. So he said, he quoted the Ramban, the Ramban on the first success, that there's a thing called a trilas tshuva. Um, the Ramban says it's not a complete tshuva, but let me just quote very quickly what he said. So there are three stages of tshuva. If a person says, Lai that's the terror, that's the worst. Says I didn't sin. That's denial. That's repudiation. And then a person has no no connection to truth at all. But then when the person no longer says like that's already something. And and that's what this passage reflects on. So people that said, Where is God? Where was God? That that's okay. You're supposed to say that. Because that means you're searching for Hashem. And 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 that really I think answers what and, and he was very solicitous of survivors. He was one of those that used to say if a person has a, a number on his arm just like Satmarebba used to say, then you have to stand up for him, you have to ask him for a bracha. So but he said that survivors emotionally can't deal with any answer to why this happened. So he said you just have to give them a hug and you have to explain to them that this is Yiddish Tsaris. But he did say that this was the culmination of all of the decline of those 200 years approximately until 1939 to 1945. See, it's nobody's fault in that generation. It's a cumulative effect. And in that he disagreed with a number of the Gedolim of his time that tried to pinpoint and identify a Mita connected Mita, he didn't agree with that at all. So, Rabbi Feynman, I have a few questions. Please. You know, um, um, we, the Gemara says, but without that, Ishbecheta Yumas. So isn't it in Klal Yisrael accepted, the concept of Ishbecheta Yumas, that the cumulative avarice of prior generations do not get passed down to children, unless it's Eichsen, Masi, Avisei, and And there were 
two or three million Fruma Fruma Jews killed were not Islamists. So why were they responsible for the for the acts of the Haskalah in Germany or etc.? Right. So, so, so he he was very very careful to say that when there is a Tarsuchah that descends upon cloudy soil, so. Um, you know, you call it one Gemara, so there's another Gemara that says that when the, when you know, the Gemara in, in, in Bavakam and Dafsamach, they write going into Dafsamach. Exactly, Einamaskin. So this was a Bechina of Einamaskin. And, and it was, um, uh, you know, some of the, the Gedalim that, that were lifted before, before the, the Holocaust happened. So he said that was a phenomenon of what the Gemara says at the beginning of that. Is that uh, that that there, there are tzaddikim that are spared, but after that, once it's happening, so it's enamaskum in tzaddikul rasha because there's something that's happening to the door. So in every door, there are good and there are bad, and the children are always innocent. So see, he he was very careful to stress that you can't chasdashon pin any avelus on anybody in the Holocaust, and on the contrary, he said that the amount of suffering that happened to any one yid that was an ashtu. Or any of the other camps was way beyond even if they were a Bali Avelis. So it, it was the totality of the Taichacha, the Licht of That was his term. And that Taichacha cannot be explained away by Avelis, but on the other hand, it can't be ignored. Um, by the people that are a part of it, they, they have to just either be macabre on their on, on their on their sh- shoulders, or the next door, that's our door, or the, the door after that, has to say, we understand that this happened as a kapara for the totality of Claudius Earl's, um I don't want to say again, Averis, but Claudius Earl's decline over these two centuries or so. So, Rabbi Feitman, um, before the war, I think when we look at the pictures of Varsha and, and, and et cetera, Europe, you know, it would seem that today the United States is, I think they say that there's 10% of Jews are Shai Mishabas. I don't know if that's right. accurate, but something like that. Right. I, would, I would imagine before the war was a far greater number. And uh, they say in Poland there was 50% from, in, in Hungary it was 70% from, like certainly maybe the litter was less. So, did the Holocaust, if it was the descent, the decline of Klal Yisrael, I mean, it would seem that today we're in a much worse matziv than we were then. So did, I mean, so did did we did we clean the waters? Do we now have Mayim Tzolim with a ninety ten? Like, how did that how did that help with to where we are to? Did it well, you know, listen, I I have to go away from the shiva for a second, even though we're quoting him. But the famous uh, lines of uh, Reb Meir Simcha, the Arsameach, in, in his Meshachach and Kukaisei. So he's the one that said way before it happened, uh, because Meshachach was, was, of course, uh, published posthumously, but, but it, it was written around, around the year 1900. Uh, and and, and, and uh, he said, So there was something in Klaus' soil that said that they were drifting towards a, uh, a, a a tremendous uh, decline of assimilation. So it doesn't mean that this Gary Yid, by the way, he was a Vashavayid, you mentioned Warsaw, he was a Vashavayid, and, and he grew up in a family of Gerach Fidim, and he saw that greatness. So that's why he never criticized it. So Fartarek, he said, 
that he was a Pesimah of coming up on Tishabav of Asara Aruge Malchus, nobody would ever criticize the, the Tzadikim of the Asara Aruge Malchus of being a part of anything bad. And yet they represented the Yidden that died of Kiddush Hashem at the hands of the Romans. So the Yidden that died at the hands of the Nazis in Nachshimam also represented a Kapara for the rest of Kral Yisrael. They were the Tzadikim. The Ayla is an Ayla Tamima. That's really what, 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 what he felt and what he stated. So it, it, it didn't improve the situation, but it was an Isla. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and he, you know, he was actually quite upset at one of the Gedolim, with whom he was cl- close, that said, well, they, um, uh, they closed the mixers after the Yidden stopped keeping Taras and Mishpacha. And he called them up, he told me this himself, in fact, I heard part of the conversation. He said, who made you the Rabbi Nishlam CPA? You, you, you did the Rabbi Nishlam's books. How do you know that? So the so Shiva was very careful to say that he doesn't know the Rabbi Nishlam's books. But at the same time, there's a sense that um, we, we we were in a in a process where Kajbalku pushed us towards this Haloy um, uh, where Yitten said, I, I once heard from one of his Talmidim, the Navaniska Rebbe, he, he actually teaches Holocaust slash Kurmi in, in his yeshiva in Navanis. So Abacher asked him, so we give the Rabbi Nishalayim in the Churban. And his answer was, to the question, where was God? So his answer was, in Yedavinko, in every corner. And he said he heard that from his mother-in-law, who was a survivor. So survivors felt the the closeness to Hashem at that point. It was a little bit like the muscle, and I believe he said it, but he didn't say it in this mimer, that when, when of course, the, the, the Gemara says that the, the Babylonians, the, the Babylon entered into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and they saw the Kruvim of Ma'urim Zubazu, so the famous Kashi is, how could that be, that when, 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 when the Kruvim are, are even facing each other, that means that, that we're us to return to Shlomakim. And here they're Ma'urim Zubazu. So the answer is that this just testified to a very high madrega simultaneous with the, the low madrega because cloudy soil is one. So, if we were to take, tell me if, if I'm extrapolating correctly. He said there was a slow decline of cloudy soil for hundreds of years because of Haskalah. And uh, I think that I read someplace, or I heard that when they closed Volusion, there were five groups in Volusion there were the Bundists, the Marxists, the Communists, the Balai Musa, and those who were learning. I mean, it infiltrated. That's why I I, I saw it someplace. In other words, it infiltrated almost every part of Yiddishkeit. And post Holocaust, it could be that it's true that we're a a greater minority, the Shemir Tyre Mitzvahs. But on the other hand, the yeshivas we have today are stronger and greater than we've ever had in history. Is that so? In a certain way, it was like a reset and start over, and we have a thriving Yiddishkeit, both America, Israel, England, etc. That we've certainly the amount of Talmidei Chachamim, and I mean the loss to off, we talk about off the derech. I think in Litva was eighty percent, and in Poland it was fifty percent. In America, it's right. low single digits. So was it, was he in fact saying it was sort of like almost like a restart for Klal Yisrael? 
Well, what he was saying was that, and, and I think everybody agrees that sometime after the Holocaust, there was a true movement. Some, some identify it with 1967 or whatever it was, but in, in some years, uh, there was a, a restart. And, and his understanding of that was that the Kedoshe Elyon that did die, Al Kiddush Hashem, and there were so many of them, the, the, the Yeshivas, the Rosh Yeshivas, the Rebbes, and we, we say on all of them, Hashem Yinkam Daman, so they gave us this of the restart. Yes, absolutely. So, so there was a restart. But, but what, what, what he was saying primarily uh, was that we have to be very careful not to identify any one, I, I, let's call it sinner, but as a dar, so the dar the experienced a teichach a, a phenomenon. And and nobody nobody takes because we're not so identified. We, we we don't relate emotionally to the Chorv Meis as much, although in this time of year we're supposed to, but we don't. So 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 we're not so uh, up in arms. Oh, how come all those thousands of Yidden got killed? And there there were probably by each Chorvan at least a million Yidden that got killed. And and many, if not most of them, were were Kedushim also. So, so that was Xavier Menashemayim, and this was Xavier Menashemayim, and he he wanted us to understand the concept of Xavier Menashemayim in the total totality uh, of, of context of of the Chumash. He said, by the way, he did say that that he criticized even in the former world the fact that we tend to only focus on the wonderful days, the Yom Tovim and the Hanukkah and Purim and the victories and the and the the uh, the, the times when when we the uh, I, I think that we were successful and not the times of, of tragedy. He said tragedy. Let's face it, is a part of Jewish history. Feitman, thank you very much. It's an honor to have with us the person who actually wrote down the sheer of Rafut that you said together with him for seven years, gave us over this Messiah. It was an honor to have you. Mehiri Ibn Amigdash. Amen. We have on the phone with us from Crown Heights, New York, Reb Simon Jacobson. He's a longtime Chaiser and Maniach of the uh, Lubavitch Rebbe. He was the he's the writer of the Sichas Kaidish of the Lubavitch Rebbe. He's the author of Towards a Meaningful Life. Welcome, Reb Simon. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here with you, Reb David. So, Reb Simon, we're doing a program on the Holocaust for Tishabav, and we're trying to understand how did the Gedolim of the prior generation of this generation. How did they respond to the question that every from a Jew asks when they look at the Holocaust and they say, "How could this happen to the to the Am Hakodesh, the Am Hanivchar?" And how, what was the Lubavitch Rebbe as 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 the author of the Sichas Kodesh and the Chayzer of the Rebbe? I'm sure you're intimately familiar with his shita. What was his shita on this matter? So, of course, the first reaction. Um, was always the the Lashon Hakos of Vayidem Aden, that uh, when something like this happens, the first response is silence, like Shteik Kachal of Machshava. And the Rebbe many times made reference to that, both in letters and correspondence to Holocaust survivors, and uh, as well in his public talks, which I'll elaborate in a moment. But always that was that first moment of, I guess, like silent awe, as in, uh, you know, standing before God, because as I once heard an expression, uh, one Rebbe once said to someone who had a great tragedy, he says, I don't have answers for you, but I can cry with you. 
I think there's uh, always a need, and that's what happened with Aaron, of course, with, and, uh, with his sons, Nadav and Avihu, there's a need to recognize that we are, we are ultimately mortals with, with limited minds, and to try to go ahead and explain God and try to uh, wrap our heads around something so tragic, innocent, one and a half million innocent children, and we all know the, the scope of it, is uh, would be somewhat arrogant and uh, in a way uh, inappropriate. So I think that's the most important thing to begin with. Uh, beyond that, I would uh, go into, I would break it into two parts. I'm taking this actually, I'll just even give you a citation. So wait, I, 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 Rabbi, Rabbi Simon, before you continue, you say it would sure. be arrogant and inappropriate. Is that something that you've heard from the Rebbe, like similar to that? Yes, 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 yeah. He, used, he yeah. basically said that it's arrogant and inappropriate to try to understand the 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 das of kaviyachal. That was basically you heard those words. Yes, yeah, inappropriate okay. for sure. Arrogant. I maybe he obviously didn't speak in English, so it'd be more maybe chutzpahdik. Or I'll okay. tell you um, in a letter that he wrote to a doctor who's a Holocaust survivor. The Rebbe once wrote, he said that. Um, we don't have an answer. Jews don't ask why. We ask, what do we have to do about it? Because if Hashem wanted us to know why, He would have told us. The fact that He didn't, and means we only are asked to do what we have the power to do. It means that we don't need to know the answer in order to serve our, and Hashem and do our role. Then at the end of the letter, interestingly, He writes to the doctor. He says, you know, you may think I'm writing to you just academically, and without being emotionally involved. But I too, the Rebbe writes, I too am a Holocaust survivor. I lost my uh, my brother, my grandmother, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and other very close relatives. Just pointing that out. So I think it's the most important thing, because, you know, when you hear people right away jump in and explain it, whether it's a, it's a punishment or it's other things, a, you need to have a little uh, humility before we enter the Kedish Kadoshim of this, uh, of this world of... That is, uh, you know, beyond comprehension. That's why I began with that. I didn't want to just... Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I heard, yeah, the name of the Friedrich Rebbe, the, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, there was a, a Rebbe came to visit him and said to him, no, he started explaining that um, that the Jews did this wrong and did that wrong. So the Rebbe stopped him, the Friedrich Rebbe, that is, and said, God doesn't need an advocate. He doesn't need anyone to defend him. In other words, you don't have to sit here and start explaining God." and uh, so on. So I, I just thought that's the most important thing to mention, because I find often, very often, especially in the firm world, people sometimes right away, they start explaining, and they have a teretz here, and they say, we have all the the clawless and the teichacha, so, you know, Jews sin, that's what happens, that's why I, this is a very big one, And uh, but I wanted to say a few more points, obviously, I just wanted to begin with that. But maybe you want to lead me, or you want me to go on, whatever. No, I, 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 I came to listen. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was, uh, and I'm, what I'm saying, I'm, I want to give a few sources in order to, if anyone wants to go check it out, the actual source. So it was a Simchas Teda Tovshin Lamed Aleph, that would be 1970. And Eli Wiesel actually was at the Fabrengen. And uh, it was a Mitzoy, uh, it was like uh, that year Simchas Teda was Friday, so there was a Fabrengen that began late, late Shabbos afternoon and went into the night. <clears throat> And the Rebbe spoke at length then about the topic, and as well as uh, some talks that he gave, Pasha Vayechi and Shmois Tovshin Nun Aleph. 
That would be uh, 1991. So uh, what I'm saying now is based uh, based on those uh, talks, uh, among many others. But those are those were very elaborate. I think they have to break this into two parts when you really start uh, dissecting it, so to speak. The first thing is recognition, as I said, of the emotional reaction. Because at the end of the day, we all know the, the famous marshal or story about that big Rosh Hashiva who lost his whole family in a, in a major tragedy. And uh, no one wanted to tell him the story because it was so tragic. But finally, one of his Talmidim said to the Rebbe, tell me, my Rosh Hashiva, Rav, tell me, what do you, what's, what, how do you explain the Gemara and Brochus that Kishem Shemavarchan ala Bracha, Kach Mavarchan ala Klola? Just as you bless God for blessings, we bless God for uh, curses. So his Rosh Hashiva was a big gone, a Tamil Chacham. So he went into this whole elaboration explaining that we don't know God's ways and everything is Gamzul Lateva, there's a deeper story, uh, all the different uh, explanations you hear. Anyway, the student was adamant and said, but still, how could you compare the two? So he went into another series of explanations that in, uh, based on Kabbalah and Chassidus, every descent is for a greater ascent. Okay. Finally, the, the student says, so are you telling me that uh, when a person has a tragedy in their life, they have to dance as if they were dancing at their children's wedding? He says, yes, it's difficult. But yes, there's an element of a brachad in it. And uh, So uh, the student said, Rebbe, you can start dancing. And he told him what happened to his family. As soon as he heard what happened, he fainted. When he fainted and they finally revived him, he said, you know, suddenly I don't understand the Gemara myself. In other words, it's one thing talking academically about these topics, another when you really take it personally. I think that I'm just elaborating why it's so vital, even from a psychological point of view. You have to respect. You go into a, a shiva court, and a mother or a father have lost a child, Islam. Or, or another loss, any loss. And you start trying to explain it. It does not. It's not the derecha tater. We didn't. Where do we find anyone coming to explain tragedies? Like I said, by yidemaren stake. Even when there were explanations, by dasori adugimalchus, etc. So I think there's that. That's also part of Hashem's plan. He created us as emotional human beings, and it would be insensitive to to. Uh, to try to understand everything and try to explain, especially things that are beyond our our scope. On the other hand, you know, we have the concept that the Rambam writes in Hilchus Tainis, right in the beginning. He says that uh, the whole Yisod of why we fast, uh, and all the Tainisim, is because when something happens, a tragedy, a catastrophe happens to a community or to an individual, it would be achzorius, it would be uh, insensitive, it would be callous, to uh, just say mikra nikris, it just happened. It's a coincidence, and you have to recognize that this is a uh, it's it's, a, it's it's result of our actions, and we have to do something to correct ourselves and do tshuva. That's essentially what he writes. So, um, so you know, based on that, one could argue. One second, if that's the case, the Holocaust is is definitely in that category. It was tragedy of so many people. But here's the key a key difference. The Rambam doesn't say go and point fingers at each other, and say, ah, you did an Aveda, that's why it happened to you. He's speaking to you as an individual. When you hear a tragedy happen, for you to just say, you know what, it's beyond my uh, scope, it's, I move on. No, no, something happened, you need to say, what can I do to be a better person? What do I have to do to correct my ways? What do I have to do? But to point fingers and say, others did this, where, where do we have that right to do that? It says in the Novi, when Yeshaya even spoke negatively about the Eden, Hashem rebuked him. It wasn't a simple matter. 
So it's very vital to distinguish between how you take it personally then, and, or, or pointing fingers and blaming others. So that's a vital point. Now, once you get into so-called the philosophical discussion, beyond, beyond the emotions, and let's say after the Vayidim Aran and there's already the silence, what can we say? Do we, do we, just, do we say anything? You know, Moshe Rabbeinu accused Hashem, Lama Hiresa, Lam Hazeh. Even though it was Pari and Mitzrayim, but he pointed a finger at God. And he was taka rebuked for it. But afterwards, you see that it was left in the Teda. And in a way, Hashem afterwards, in the next parasha, tells him that I will reveal to you my shame, Hashmi Havaya, to the others. So you see that there's an element of, uh, of discussion around this. And of course, we have the whole book of Eve, where there's a whole dialogue. So I think to, 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 go, to talk about that for a moment, which is more the, called the philosophical side of it, besides, as you mentioned, yet there is the element of, uh, of uh, there's the mystery of it. So we don't go ahead and try to associate and say, okay, because there were sins, that's why this happened. The Rebbe made it very clear in those talks that I mentioned that, God forbid, you could say this is a punishment. He said that. Why? Because, first of all, the Achzarius was soaked to that extent to say, after everything that Jews went through for 2,000 years, that they still have so much uh, sins that they would deserve such Achzarius is beyond the, the, the scope of any type of, uh, of reward and punishment. You have to say it was Achzarius that we do not understand fully. Now, when the Tater says Beferish in the Techecha, the Tater is about to say, the Abish is able to say, I'm doing this to you, like it says in Chumash, because you did so and so, this is what I do to you. But for us humans to go apply that to every uh, tragedy, that is not something appropriate to do. So at the end of the day, we, uh, we say the following. We say we cannot blame anybody, we can't look at it as a punishment, but that does not mean we cannot look into our hearts and souls and see what we have to do to make a better world and make, be better people. And in that context, there is the lessons that we have to learn from it. Like, you know, what would you do as a result of the Holocaust? The Rebbe writes in many places, he says, we have to do something to mamala, to fulfill the, fill the hollow that was left. In other words, not just leaving an empty chair by a seder, but actually fill up that chair with another Jew. Because imagine six million Jews, what kind of mitzvahs they would have been doing today. And the children that they would have produced, and the grandchildren. So we have an achrayas to fill that void in every possible way, to use the the so-called tragedy as a catalyst for tremendous growth in Yiddishkeit and do whatever we can. In other words, Jews do not lie down and die, God forbid. What we do is we take something, even when it's terrible, and we turn it into some form of hazedim bedima, bedini yiktzedu, some way of growth. And, uh, and which is, you see, Taka, you see most Jews, many Jews will tell you, survivors, that, that uh, the best revenge we have is uh, the fact that we built beautiful families and they open up a photo album and they'll show you the pictures of their children and grandchildren. That's our revenge. Our revenge is not blowing up uh, German cafes or uh, becoming violent or responding tit for tat. We build, and uh, despite everyone writing the obituary of the Jewish people, we continue to grow in the renaissance of Jewish life in many ways, that's just well and here with our challenges as well. And that's ultimately the response. So in a way, it's not ignoring what happened, and it's not just dismissing and say, let's move on, but it's turning it into some type of force of uh, growth and positivity. And one final thing I'll say, 
which is, we say Hashem Yinkam Domam. Why do we say that? Because uh, if, it's, if it's purely black and white, reward and punishment, what's the Yinkam Domam, you know? Because we don't want to take the Nazis and the Germans, Yimach Shemam, over the hook. They're absolutely accountable for what they did. And, um, and we don't say, oh, you know what, because the Jews were not, as it was assimilation or there was other reasons, that's the reason. No, no, no. They are accountable, and uh, whatever happens to them is their business. But I will tell you something interesting. I was in Berlin one Hanukkah, and I went, I asked the rabbi there to take me to the, to the Brandenburg Gate, where Yimach Shemay Hitler would stand with his thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of Jugendrat and his uh, whole thing. And what what was there, Hanukkah? A Meneda, where he stood, the Yimach Shema stood. A Meneda, Hanukkah Meneda. And the Christmas tree was all the way to the right. So I asked the rabbi, how'd you pull that off? So he said he convinced the curator that for for the choreography, it's, it's nicer to have the Meneda in the center. And I saw little Jewish children with tzitzis, a yarmulke, the woman lighting candles. The Germans, their grandchildren, are burying themselves in shame and don't uh, change their names, and they and they deny that they have any relationship to the former Nazis. And the Jews, in their own way, are building and rebuilding. So though it's not uh, an answer, but it's a way it is an answer. It's not an answer to what happened. That will never wrap our heads around. But it's an answer that we have turned it into growth, and that's what we should be doing. That's in a, in a nutshell than the Kudus Advarim. There's more to say, obviously, but uh, well, let me let me stop here and let you uh, ask me anything you'd like to ask. No, I, I, I well, the takeaway is is that um, you hold it. He held it was it was arrogant and chutzpedik to try to say, to try to understand that das el and uh, and um, and to accept the, the ruts and Hashem, like to understand. Like, like, we don't we understand so little about the world. It's astonishing. You go to the most learned doctor and they can't figure out the reason for a cold. So it's the same time to understand the das of kaviyachol. And um, and you say the Rebbe's attitude is what do we what do we take out of it so that we move forward, right and grow, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, would you say would you say Reb Simon that I mean those who say it's because of Averis, uh, you know, Yeshaya already said and he was punished. Right. Were you to say Lashon Haran Klal Yisrael? You say that to give to 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 blame it on the various of Klal Yisrael together of to say Yes, absolutely. And I say it not only with my own nechrayis. The Rebbe used that when he spoke about it in uh, 1991. Yeah, it is an element. That, I mean, that's why we're told because again, you look at yourself. Introspection, by all means, dig deeper and do all the truth in the world. But once we start pointing fingers at others. What right do we have? Where were we ever given the right to do such a thing? Uh, fine, there's the laws and halachas around how do you do that. But to go, it, it's frankly, I find that to be very, even on a practical level, it's distasteful when people do that. It's condescending. It's as if you're perfect and you're showing that others are not. We all have plenty of our own uh, to correct. So yes, I uh, totally agree that, that it's comparable to that. Yeah. Well, Rabbi Jacobson, thank you very much for sharing your, uh, your, 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 what you've heard from the great Labavitch Rebbe and this. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And we should only hear good news and everything should Amen. be. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
We have on the phone with us from New York City, Rabbi Leo Brog. He's, uh, he took over from his grandfather, uh, Rabbi Vig the Miller, his shul on, uh, uh, very well, his well attended shiurim and his shul. He's an old chava from the Mirror Yeshiva. I believe we learned together Bechavrusa for a while. It's an honor to have you on with us, Rebbe Leo. Thank you. So, Rebbe Leo, there, there was famously a, a, a sefer came out from your grandfather. Like you say, it was written in his, his own handwriting called The Divine Madness. And it's about the uh, hashkafa of the Holocaust. And we thought that Bein HaMetzarim now, it's an apt time to discuss the Holocaust. Could you give us over, you know, what was your grandfather's hashkafa? Well, my grandfather, Zaha, he, he was a, a huge, a huge Talmud Chacham, as everybody knows. Spent his life uh, learning, and uh, he said, he when he gave his Thursday night lectures, he says, I don't say over what I don't hear from my rebellion. And uh, he said that 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 uh, we find in the Torah, we find uh, in Parashat, in Parashat Kaisai and in Parashat Kisavai, the Torah speaks at uh, great length about uh, what happens if the Kalal Yisrael doesn't follow the dictates of the Torah and they try to veer away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Pesach is very graphic of what's going to happen. And the Torah says, plus there's a, but even things that are not written in, it's in the Sefer Torah are going to happen. Some call Holy the Holmaka that's not written in the Chumash. And, uh, the, and the Torah says, my grandfather was very, very real. And and he studied history, and uh, he was in Europe. He himself went to Europe. Uh, he went in the Yeshiva. He came in 1932, and he left in 1938 when Hitler and moved into the Sudetenland. And the American Council warned the citizens that uh, it's a bit, getting a bit dangerous to stay here. They advised Americans to go back. So, so, but he was there in Europe for six years, and he uh, he learned the mysterious nefesh mamish. That's the whole story by itself. Exactly how he learned, and he said that he felt like he was going back into, into back into history, like 200 years back into colonial days. That's how primitive it was over there in, in Slabotka. And he 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 obviously had what to eat, but whatever it was, he learned the mysterious nefesh, and he but he says he was there in Slabotka and he saw. He saw that that um, Yiddishkeit was uh, was it wasn't the way we might picture that everybody was uh, everybody was with, everybody was a real shemitah and It wasn't the way, that wasn't the way it was. And he said that uh, he gave an example. That for example, when he came to Slabotka, so uh, Slabotka was on, was on the river right across the street from Kovna. Right across the river is Kovna. Well, that was a big city, and, uh, and he said, in 1932, every half hour, there were, uh, you know, like buses or, or boats, I'm not sure which, heard just different two stories. One time, I, I thought I heard he said boats, and also maybe he said buses, were carrying, were taking loads of, of evening to work on Shabbat, 
And then when he left in 1938, the boats weren't leaving every half hour. They were, they were leaving every five minutes, which meant that the, the Chil Shabbos became so, and the whole the breakaway from Yiddishkeit became so strong that they were able to have all these all these customers. And he and, and he studied he studied history in in the uh, in Europe, in other countries other, in other countries as well. And, uh, and he said, if you look at it, if you, start, if, if you see the different different townships, different cities, towns, they they wrote histories of their towns. If you look at those books, you'll see the old generation, the grandparents had big long beards. But when you look at the at the grand at the, at, the, at the new generation, it was all a generation that was that threw away tire mitzvahs, all uh, without yarmulkes. It was it was a it was like I said that. It was a very it was a big breakaway from from Akadish Baruch Hu, and uh, it I mean as everyone knows it started in Berlin, Moses Mendelssohn, and uh, and the uh, the Mayach already writes and you know, Arthur Mayach who passed away in 1926 already said that from Berlin came it came started that scholar from Berlin is going to come the uh, is going to come to Polonia if he writes in Parshas Lukukosai. And he passed away in 1926, even before Hitler rose to power. But the grandfathers were saying that the biggest breakaway from Yiddishkeit that ever transpired in the entire history of the of the Jewish people was the breakaway that happened that started about 200 years ago in Germany and Berlin, and and then until 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 the Holocaust. And uh, he said it used to be like back in the 1700s. He was a he was, he was a phrase. If your name is Mendel, you could eat from his fendel. Fendel is a Yiddish word for a pot. If his name is Mendel. You can eat from his fendel. That means you don't have to. You don't need to buy the kasher for this organization. You don't need the OU and the OK. If you go anywhere, you go to a to a Jewish town. You can eat by anyone's house. If his name is Mendel. That's then the food is already kosher. That's the way it was. Everybody was filling back in those days. But then, when it came time when the World War II came around, it wasn't the case. And he said that uh, he quoted of Ochanav Asenin. said that Yisrael Most Jewish children are being trained in Tarbus. Tarbus was the largest network of schools in Europe. Like let's say today, you have in Eretz Yisrael. You have to Minnesota. Day schools in America, so in, in, in Europe there was something called Tarbus, and in the Tarbus they taught, uh, they had teachers that spoke in Ivrit, and they taught Kfira. They taught open atheism, and uh, and the Bahana writes, Roy the Alde Yisrael Meschams in the Tarbus, and uh, and therefore Yiddishkeit was going going down, 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 not in the way, not the picture that people present us that everybody was. Everybody was uh, everybody was also deacon. That wasn't the case. The grandfather said, "You walked in the street, and you, a young man in the street, they, they called you a parasite." Uh, and there was there was a contempt, and uh, a little bit of it. Maybe he said you had, if you want a taste of it, is like what with the remnants of what you have as a tiyonim, by the by the by the by the diehard tiyonim, the, the the hatred that they have for the hatred for the tumor. He said it was uh, there, but it was much more rampant. It was, it was like a virulent anti-Semitism against the Fruma. And they, uh, they, were, they were throwing away Yiddishkeit. It was going to, it was, uh, it was very, very, it was, it was very bad. 
see, the first and second world war was going from extremely fast. That the, the rate of, of, the, of decline was going down. And uh, I remember once I heard from the Mirror Shashiva, already the supporters of because if you wait a little longer, you won't have whom to redeem, because everybody is is, is going off the dark. And uh, and uh, and therefore, so and the, and the my grandfather therefore studied that. So he came in. He was there. He was an adult. He was a, when he came, when he went to Europe. He was already 24 when he came to Europe. And when he left Europe, he was already 30 years old. As an adult, he saw everything with a, with a, with a mature mind, and uh, um, a yeshiva man with a mature mind, and he said he saw this is this is what's going on, and therefore Kodesh Baruch this is the biggest breakaway from 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 Kodesh Baruch that ever took place in the history of Kol Yisrael. Never before did such a thing ever happen, such a such a tremendous amount, and Kodesh Baruch judges the world, Al Piroi Ha'Olam Nidai Nacharubai. And Hakadosh Baruch for for told in the Torah that the only that uh, that uh, that Hashem doesn't accept any compromises in the Torah. There's no Torah cannot be adulterated. It has to be a great Torah the way it was given to us in Sinai. And therefore, there's no ifs, buts, and maybes. And Hakadosh Baruch said that if we go off the straight and narrow, he's gonna he's going to make sure that we get back onto the onto the path. And Hakadosh Baruch has to make a very extreme operation. He said it's like you have a forest fire, and uh, sometimes the forest fires, he said, sometimes have, are, bene- are beneficial, because sometimes in the forest there are, there are diseases that are rampant in the forest, destroying trees, and if you go and know when to what to, to how, how the disease could travel. But when the forest fire comes, it destroys the whole forest. It's true that there are good trees, healthy trees that are destroyed also, but it destroys the entire forest, and that was all the germs. And now the forest could regrow again from from scratch in a healthy, in a healthy, good way. And he said that Kodesh Baruch made this big operation of sending uh, of sending Hitler, Machin who is burning in Yehenim right now, but good. And uh, that Russian Rush, he said the biggest repair the world ever saw probably was Hitler. And if he getting it, boys, he should just just listen to him how he's screaming in Yehenim. And but uh, Kodesh Bo sent uh, he, he decided his own free will he wanted to take on the hated Eden he wanted to kill Eden and Hashem let him do it sent him with this uh, to, uh, to 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 fulfill the Teichacha and therefore he said we have to learn we have to learn from the Teichacha we have to learn from from the Holocaust what, the lesson we learn from the Holocaust is that that the Torah is endless and there's no veering away from the Torah and there's a there's a din and there's a dayan. And we have to follow what Hashem what Hashem wants, and that's our pr- pleasure and privilege privilege to be able to do what a Kodesh Baruch wants, and uh, and it's also a responsibility. And if we don't, then a Kodesh Baruch will will make sure that we keep that responsibility. The Yiddishkeit has to go on the way it was given to us by Sinai, and a Kodesh Baruch made this very big operation. Now this operation uh, wiped out the, the the rampant anti-Semitism that you had in Europe was basically wiped out. Now in America. He said, you don't have it. In America, if your person is not religious, not from, he doesn't, he doesn't hate you for being irreligious, for being religious. It's a living in situation. You do, what I, you do what you want, I do what I want. And therefore, it's possible for Jesus Christ to re-flourish, and it was possible now for the Baal Shuvah women to, to, take, to, take, to be Makar of the, the people that went off to death, 
But in Europe, this is not possible. And, uh, and now we see Baruch Hashem Torah flourishing in America now in a way that we haven't dreamt of before. You have a Lakewood, you have a new yeshiva, you have all the yeshivas, Blin, and all the, all the Swedish Meisters, and Kanayinara, Kanyiru, Kanyiru, and uh, you have the Yankers, and, uh, and, uh, and therefore that's something which, which in Europe, before the war, we didn't have. Uh, now he said, there were very big tzaddik, we shouldn't take away, there were very big tzaddikim in Europe. And the tzaddikim in Europe, he said, were bigger tzaddikim than the people we have here, that we have today. He said that Erlach, a younger man today, is a setting son of the of a, of a, of Erlach Balabas before the Second World War. And Erlach Balabas before the Second World War was a setting son of an Erlach, Erlach younger man. An Erlach younger man before the Second World War was a setting son of the, the Erlach Balabas before the First World War. But he says, but those were, but these people before the Second World War, they were the minority. The yeshivas were the minority. Trouble, yo, your grandfather's saying, I think you said it's like, sort of like a cancer. When you cut it out, you lose healthy flesh, or a forest fire clears out the old trees, but it, it clears out the brush. So, in effect, he felt it was a good thing for Kali Yisrael. I believe he writes that in the book. Is that correct? Yes. He says, the Akiva says, Kol ma'av the table of tomorrow, the Rebbe and then the end of Brachas. Whatever Hashem does is for good. And we know it says in the Animaimans, in the first of the Animaimans, Animaimans are very, very familiar, who very reminded of the whole of the Rim, who who the Vadoi, also the Osa, the Yasa, the whole of Masim. That's what he writes. He writes in the book that it's a good thing, and he writes it's like a doctor. So, in effect, then, was Hitler, in effect, like a Shliach Bezdin giving Malchus? I mean, why would we hate Hitler when, he, in fact, he was just a shliach of the Rabbani Shalom to clean out all the garbage and to return the yeshiva world to what it's supposed to be? So, right, that's a, that's a question that people ask. And, the, and my grandfather answered it, and the Chavetz Chaim also answers it in the in the Sefer Shmiras, in the Sefer Chavetz Chaim. He says that that uh, they they these people they use their free will to 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 hurt the heathen. Not because Hashem sent them to kill, to kill Eden. These people that had a, they were, they were rabid anti-Semites, and they, 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 they had a glee in, in, in killing Jews, and they weren't doing it because they were the Shriya Hashem. They were doing it because... So, Rabbi Leo, before the war, and these statistics are very vague, they say 50% of, of Poland was from... Um, more than 50%, 60 or 70% of Hungary, and only 10% of Lithuania was very bad. And when your grandfather went to Lithuania, to the Lita, look, you know, Rabarin was the only from kid in his house. Rabyankiv, I think, was one of six or seven. He was the only from one in his house. On and on. The Raskola burned through Lita like a fire. But on the other hand, when you went to Poland, it was 50-50. You went to Hungary, where, or, or, or Oberland, where the Chsam Seifer was, was a minority. So how does your grandfather explain, because the Jews in Lita, Haskalah burned the fire through, why would the Jews in, in Hungary or the Jews in Poland, Haskalah had a much lesser impact? I mean, even, even in Irhani Dachas needs a Ruba de Ruba to be to kill the rest of the city. Why are the, the Jews in the whole countries that weren't, why are they shouldering because of the Jews in Lithuania? So my grandfather said that 
When we first recorded the Mochanan, Mochanan said that Roy Bialli Yisrael Mishanchem Betarbos. Now he's talking about a litter. He was talking about a litter. No, no, no. No, 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 and, not and there was no, there was no Tarbus in Hungary or Oberland, was uh, in, 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 in most of where you had Alexander and Ger, they didn't have these Marcus. These were very Litvish and Marcus. Uh, and for the historical information, that probably you would have to look at my grandfather's paper to get more historical information. Okay. We, okay. He, uh, we have some, you know, backups and write-ups from what he, for what he said over there. Okay. But the truth is that Akhodesh Baruch did give the people in Hungary a much greater chance. You notice there are much more Hungarian Jews that survived the war than from uh, than from Lithuania, if you notice. And if you notice, the, the war, the, only in, that, in, in the middle of 1944 is when the major deportations began, which means that Kodesh Baruch did give them, the people of Hungary, a greater chance of, a, a more, greater chance of survival and gave them more chance to do tshuva. There's no question about it, as you see from the, when Hitler first came to them. Yeah, but still, but, a, million, uh, a, million, I, a million Hungarian Jews died, right? It's a I lot don't know of people. Figure it. I don't know. It's, uh, just a lot, of, a lot, a lot of people in Hungary did die. Yeah, let I me ask you another question. Rabbi, let me ask you another question. The percentage today of Yid, uh, from a Yidin is much smaller than it was before the war. Maybe 90% is not religious. There's a 60% intermarriage in America. 10% is from. So if we understand it as like a forest fire to burn out the beard, well, before the war, there was a, a far greater percentage of Jews in the world that were Shema Shabbos than there are today. So was the effect what, what we wanted? I mean, well, we was, oh, was, was, is this effect in effect what he's saying? We have two answers on that question. He said before the war, he said that the um, the anti the anti semitic the Fruma, the Freya, the Freya even had a hatred for the Fruma. It was a, something that you don't have today. It was a, it was a very strong hatred that they had against the Fruma. You know, saw the Muslim in Russia. You had the Effectia that uh, that uh, for example. That, that, that's, a, that, that's a little taste of the, of the hatred that the that the friar had in um, if you take him in Slutsk. Yeah, so all these different that, that's why the Zalman writes how he had to run out of the window when they tried to, with the people there they tried to kill him, uh, jump out of the window. And um, the the friar the friar were had a hatred for the frumoch. In America you don't have, and therefore uh, that's one difference he said. Another difference he said is in, in that in, now in in America there's something called the Balshuva movement with people, the Kirov movement that was working on bringing people back, which in Europe you didn't have. That in Europe you didn't have that. And um, those were two, two, two factors that, uh, that I recall that he mentioned. I think he mentioned maybe another one also. And he said, oh, there was another spot also. He said, because when, when people came to America, he said they came into a melting pot. They, were, they, were, they came into a, into a sviva that was, that was a, a very foreign sviva, and it was very difficult to be thrown Shabbos when he came to America 100, 100 something years ago. It was very different. The sun was very big. And therefore, it was different in Europe. In Europe, you had, you had Shtetlach, you had towns, cities, and they were able to, to, to keep Shabbos, and yet they threw it away. But here in America, to, to keep Shabbos was very difficult. So therefore, those, those are three reasons why America is different than in Europe. Let me ask you one more question, Rebelio. We had on a Talmud from Rav Hutna, and, and your grandfather, he was a mashkiach, I believe, for many years in Chaim Berlin, but he was a, an Adam who had his own hashkafa. He was a Talmud of the great yeshivas in Europe. But him and Rav Hutna differed very much in one Nakuda. Rav Hutna felt that we couldn't 
point and say it's because of Averis. He felt, look, it's a te- the Teichacha came back, the Klal Yisrael, it's, it's part of the history, but he said we can't say it's because of any particular Aveira or anything. And your grandfather was much more strong about saying, you know, they, they baked on Shabbos, they cooked on Shabbos, they traveled, they say, they say the Chafetz Chaim, uh, I, I heard this over from uh, Rav Kalmanovich when I was in the Mir. He said that his grandfather, his father, was on a train with the Chafetz Chaim, and uh, and uh, somebody came in. Or, or, no, they were in Vilna together, and and on Shabbos somebody came into the the, the Groz Kloys, which was where the Groz had learned selling fresh uh, fresh chalas on Shabbos day. And the Chafetz Chaim was incredibly upset about it. And that night he took a train, and he, Rav Kalmanovich was on the train with him. And he said, uh, he looked at him in the middle of the night, he, he saw that he couldn't sleep. They were in a, a, in a sleep com- compartment, I guess. And he said the Chafetz Chaim was restless and he stood up. So, so he, told the, he told him, he said, Rakhavirov, tint on the lecture. That's how I remember the story. Turn on the, the electricity, he did. And Chafetz Chaim said, is that my hand? He, said, he looked at his hand. He says, the way I see my hand now, like that's how I see that they're going to burn Jews alive in the, in the Vilna Kloys. That's what he told him. That's what I remember. I heard it directly. So he was much more comfortable saying that the Churban happened because of particular virus. Could you try to explain like maybe what the difference was on a lumdisha level between Rakhti Rafutna and Yezayda. Rafutna said, you know, we're not allowed to say, you, you have to be a Novi. Yeshaya Novi even said, you know, Am Tmeis Vasayim, he was Nenashvich, you have to be a Novi. And yet we see that others said, no, it was directly because of an Avera. Could you try to explain what the sort of this Chiluk is, this Bachlaikis is in Hashkafa? Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not really so familiar with Rafutna's Mahalach. I never heard it from him, so I don't know, I'm not really clear about it. But my grandfather's Mahalach was wasn't necessarily for a specific Aveira. He said the whole Yiddishkeit, the entire Yiddishkeit was thrown away. It wasn't a specific Aveira. It was the entire Yiddishkeit. People threw away the whole entire Torah. They became a It wasn't it wasn't a specific Aveira for this or that. And then therefore, when when we see that such a tremendous or so, so, such such Taluma knows how to measure what's called a rave. And uh, and when you look at the new generation of in all those books, you see the new generation we're not we're not uh we're not we're not we're not from. They were they threw away the Torah. It's not a question of, you know, because they didn't keep shotness, they didn't keep this bit, they didn't keep that mitzvah. It's the entire Torah is being thrown away. And that never happened before in Klaus Israel that so many people should throw away and the entire Torah, like like it like it happened in the in the last um, you know in the Corbin. Rabbi Brog, it's a great honor to have you on with us. Thank you very much for your time. Love it. Thank you. Bye-bye. We have on the line with us from Williamsburg, Harav Moshe Arya Kehana. He's a Talmud of Satma. He learned in Satma. He also learned by Rabbi Shol Brusachar and by Ramarat Chabek. Welcome, Rav Kahana. Hello, how are you? Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem. So, Rav Kahana, it's Beinam Tzarim, and it's a time of, you know, Yifashvish B'maysav, it's a time of looking back at, time of introspection, right? Igrid Lula Tamia. 
Igrita Ivla Tamia. And uh, and um, we have had on many speakers to who we asked what how does as a Maimon how do you look at the Holocaust and how do we say you know Mali Atzara Zeis to you know Am Hanivcher we've had many different and I know that the the Divra Yoel had a very strong opinion about this and rather than trying to get a Litvak who learned in you know the all the famous Litvish yeshivas to give I thought let's let's go to the source. And see if a Talmud could try to be Mazbet to the Oilam, the uh, the the uh, the Yoel's sheet in this. Okay, sure. I'll try my best. So, first of all, <clears throat> talking about Holocaust, which is obviously a very sensitive issue. Uh, so when we when we try to explain uh, and try to be Mazbet, you know. Um, what caused the Holocaust, things like that, you know, the, one has to be very careful uh, not to uh, dilute the uh, the responsibility of the Holocaust uh, from the people who actually did Holocaust, which is Nazi Germany and their, and all the, you know, the helpers throughout Europe. And, uh, and you know, they, they are forever the, 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 you know the Rotchmi Machshemoi Imam, and uh, and the same thing that uh, with uh, we, that we see in Chazal with uh, Titus Arusha. Yeah, Titus was is the is the Rusha. He 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 destroyed the he destroyed the Beis Hamikdash, and uh, and uh, he is the Rusha. But we still see in Chazal that they're trying to make sense, so to speak. What what was the um, the cause, or maybe not even the cause? What what uh, what sin did we do that uh, um, that that the Torah wasn't able to be Megan on us? Yeah, let's put it this way, right? So what what, what, what yeah. allowed us to be vulnerable? What Avera allowed us to be vulnerable? So that the mazik could come in and do what he had to do. Right, right, yeah, very well. And uh, when we say things, it's not that we are, uh, you know, we say that when Chazal said that uh, that he did a virus or whatever, it's not that we are that we did more a virus than the imusu oilum, you know. It's not that we are worse. It's just that Hashem uh, expects from us more. Uh, plus, the the kim amis rule is. Which I think this is this is obviously everyone agrees to that that uh, the key Amis rule is 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 against the arts. So since it's we are getting judged in basis. So even though the Imaso Oilam, you know, are even with all our sins, the Imaso Oilam are not better than us. And they sometimes, uh, a lot of times, they don't get punished that we that we got punished, uh, you know, throughout the ages. It, you know, it's it's because we are we we, we our existence is a shleikederichetevidi existence, so we are getting judged differently. So that and, and with that perspective, uh, one can try to explain uh, one can try to explain the causes of the Holocaust. Uh, so obviously, Sasat Marebbe is very clear about that in the Moshe, that um, fact is that Klal uh, will never had such a harm in our history like the Holocaust. 
uh, both in quantity, which is, you know, 6 million Jews, which is uh, uh, 10 times more than Chorm Better, which, was, which is 600,000 600, Jews got killed in Chorm Better, which is considered, with the Chazal said, it's even more, in a sense, it's even more, it was even more a Chorm than Chorm Better, uh, based on the, you know, the people that got uh, killed. So first of all, there's six million Jews. Number one. Number two is the depth of the of the of the of the riches, you know, which is uh, um, uh, you know, <clears throat> I don't want to go, go into the all uh, to all the graphic graphic details, but you know, it's it's known to everybody. Plus the concept that uh, that the Jews got um, were, were a target based on a based on a race. Which is, you know, all the all the past wars and and harm uh, that the Jews had uh, throughout the uh, throughout the ages, and uh, or you know, or Chumash was a, basically a, a war a war between uh, you know Rome conquered the world, so they they tried to conquer Yerushalayim and it's true. Uh, and, and, and later, later with the Inquisition and the, and the ancient Christians and the Muslims was you know a religious war which. Which some can understand in a sense, but uh, uh, all cause based on the race that people of a certain DNA must be, you know, must be eliminated is uh, is you know, unheard of in, in human history. So this is, this is obviously the biggest harm. And then and then we see in the Gemara and Kesibas we see that uh, Chazal the. Uh, uh, Chazal uh, uses language, uh, certain languages, but the Shulish Shviyas that they, they don't use anywhere else, which is, you know, Animater Atzmechem, Animater Atzmechem, that if Jews will try to to be Matcher Gesa Ketz, uh, or go go to it's through with force, you know, there's you know there's a big big Oynish fire. So. Uh, so, so obviously, Satmar Rebbe understood that it's it's very obvious that, uh, uh, that the biggest harm and the biggest oinish, you know, the, the biggest harm, uh, the the biggest Holocaust by Klalis rule, and then we see the biggest oinish in, in the Gemara uh, uh, if if Jews uh, try to be matriches a cat, so. So very clearly, there's a connection. This that this is not a coincidence. Um, you know. So this is. Uh, plus, he also had issue with uh, a practical level. He had issue how how the Jewish some Jewish leaders at the time uh, handled uh, handled the you know Nazi Germany. Uh, you know, but uh, this is this is more a political debate. Uh, uh, if, if uh, some say there was, you know, there was no other option, uh, the, the Nazi Germany was not like other anti-Semites where you can try to bargain or deal with them, you know. But uh, so this this was basically Satmar Rebbe shit. He held it was because we were over on the Gimel Shvuas uh, by being dichotomized with Zionism. Right. So I want to ask you a, a few things. Maybe you could, um, you know, um, well, you know, there are many Achreinim, the Avnei Nezer, the Arsameach, etc., you know, Tzviyash Kalash, etc., who believe that the Gimel Shavuos were not relevant 
Pavlinezer said it's a, it's what's a, uh, it's a, it's a, I got it, the Gemara. The Arsameh said it was because the Balfour Declaration, um, made it that it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, the Alu because it was with the Haskama of the Umasalam. Um, there were many different things. So, if, if somebody does something, you know, I'll give you an example. I don't carry in, inside an Ariv. Certainly not in Borough Park, Flatbush, Manhattan, and you know, Moshe I hold Chiv Skila, right? Now, yeah. if if somebody carries in the Erev, I'm going to take that person as an aide Kedushin. He's being Saimach. He has his Rav, who he's Saimach on. So, even if the Satmar Rebbe is right that the Gimel Shuis is, is a terrible thing, Yani Matar Atzmachem, Kayoli Asada, whatever, but if there were certainly Gedailim who were Matarit, so how do we have such a terrible holocaust? He says, look, I was Saimachan Dar Sameach's Psak, or Saimachan Davnei Nezer's Psak, I was Saimachan. I mean, uh, how would he explain that? Okay, uh, first of all, I didn't, uh, I, I was not aware of their Sameach, uh, about, about the Belfort Declaration, and, uh, and Davnei Nezer, but, but uh, the Dar answer Sameach, to the... To, basically, yeah. Dar Sameach says, he says, you know, after the Balfour Declaration was signed, he says, Baruch Hashem, that it was removed from us, the Chaymer, the fear of the Pachad Gimel Shuas, because now it's, all, it's no more all Yalla B'chaymer, it's Baskama. So he writes that in a letter. Yeah. And, and there are, I could show you all the Marmah, because whatever, yeah. take my word that there was certainly Gedailah, yeah. well, there'll be a Lacha that it's Mata. The Sun yeah. held because, the Sirish Kalush, I think, said, he said, because the Gimel Shuas is on condition that they treat you well once the Umavatal one Shuas, because it says, one was al timur dubumus, but the other one of the shuas was is that there won't be mishabed klal yisrael yosemidai. He said once they were over on this and the male the But whatever the case is, I don't know why the, the, those who are matir, let's say the Arab, whatever the reason may be, yeah. we're still mishadach with them. You know what I mean? You say okay, you have your rav. Why would that be different? Okay, uh, so assuming that uh, there's some, uh, some, you know, that Shemach uh, and said that the shulshi is not a problem, uh, it's not that. This, you know, there, there was two, there, there was two, uh, uh, two dais, like for Ada, for example, for example, right, where there is a mechleksa paskam. Then you're 100 percent right, you know, that the, the person that the Mura says, "B'mkoymish or blazer, Carson, atman, 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 atin, da." Eitzim lamila, eitzim lamila, yeah. Eitzim lamila b'shavus, because he said you're you're allowed to, and the, the people who live there were actually were probably yeah. obligated to follow the blazer. But this this is different because. The, um, the um, let, uh, let's understand one more uh, something uh, something more than that. What is the greatest problem with the Shulashvias, right? Why is this why is this so so, so problematic? Because the, um, the, this is a Satmareva Gaot. Now this is part from the twelfth and Imam in Bisham Shiach. The the traditional view by Klalis rule all in Aladoiris, okay, is given. Uh, was that that uh, we're going back to its rule in Einemit Mashiach, not before that. This was the traditional view of of everybody. This this the, this was the way of thinking of everybody. Okay, so in the Shul the Shul is just enforcing that view. So it's not the Shul per se. As Satmar Rebbe says, the Shul gives it gives it more uh, gives it more choimer uh, by making it a shvir. But the Shul the 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 concept of the Shul and the you know the the, the was was part from the from the twelfth animamin uh, that 
Mashiach and Kibbutz Gul Yitz and Mashiach belong together. So, the, so since the traditional, this was the, the, the traditional view, and and even though let's say the Haligar Samach, you know, uh, said, you know, said, uh, um, came up with uh, you know the the Balfour Bal- Declaration or the Avonaizer set about Agarata, which is very interesting because uh, the 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 Shulishvias is mentioned in a lot of surim throughout the ages, the Maral, in in all the generations they were they were uh, or even Koirach. Koirach is considered a, a holy man, okay? Even even after his, he met Moshe Rabbeinu, even even that uh, he says that he will that only, he will be only, only by only by only by Hasidim or by Mekubalim. By in the world, mm. he's he's considered a kaif. Maral <laughs> says he was kaifer b'tayrus Moshe. Slavashin of Maral, and that's why his kapara is to scream Moshe emes v'tayrus emes. He was a kaifer and an imamin of 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 tayrus Moshe. This in Maral, and he brings many chazals that way, etc. Okay. I know there's a famous. Chayzi used to say the Halig is a the Kairach, but this is this is Chidushim. It's certainly not the Pashiv Shat, right? Yeah, yeah. right? It says he went to Gehenim, right? So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, but it's it's from, it's from the it's from the Yakudish. Okay, so let's not talk about Koyrach. Let's not call, talk about the Vishaker. But the point is, in Klal there was always all the times confusions. You know how how. Uh, how you should judge. I just want to point out that Samach was considered, at least in Lithuania, the Goyen Hagadol Bedayre, right? And Avni Nezer was certainly Bismane considered the Paisik of Poland, right? The Chalkas <coughs> Joy. I mean, these are, these are real giants. We're not talking about, you know, uh, uh, a rub someplace in a clean shtetl, you know what I mean? The Samach till today is considered the Chacham, the Goyen Hagadol Bedayre in. In 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 from that period, you know I mean, they said Chaim Briska wanted to get Askama from him. I mean, he was, you know, that's uh, Nazar certainly. I don't remember the whole name. I once had a list of like fifteen Rabbanim who supported this opinion. You're not talking about some minority opinion, whatever. Yeah. Let me ask you another question. Um, why okay. would how did how did he understand the the, the Divriyal? That if the purpose of the of the Holocaust, the way he understands it, was because of the Gimel Shvuas and to eradicate Zionism, and it was a Yad Hashem to you know sort of, isn't it very strange that after the Holocaust the outcome was the state of Israel, and um, and it's it, the flourishing state of Israel is the outcome of the effort to eradicate Zionism by the Holocaust. It sounds like a like just a very it sounds like the Yad Hashem certainly didn't work over here. Uh, okay, first of all, um, he mentioned that, that a couple of times, that uh, you know uh, things can go on against Hashem for hundreds of years. I mean, we had all the Vidizu and other things. So this, this, is not a, this, is not a, this is not a proof of anything. Um, but there is more to that. Uh, there is more to that, too. But... The, the, this was definitely not Satmar shit, but I read somewhere, um, I think it was a machine shell stroll, a cipher about Satmar that someone said, but again, this is definitely not a Satmar shit, and I don't, and I need to, I need to, uh, look up the source and, and who said it, and I don't know. And I, I don't want to, this should, should be taken the wrong way. The 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 Gidesis rule, the the third Kinesi uh, of Gidesis rule, which was like Tatzadik Zoyin, I think, or Tatzadik Uh they accepted a, a, a state, a Jewish state, based on Aloha. Okay, 
um, the accepted Beit Malacha. And someone, so someone, someone, someone mentioned the the Gimel Shvi is there, and someone answered again. I, had, I need to I need to see who 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 it was that. With, with all the ex- with all the excuses for the Shulah Shvi'as that uh, that some might have, the the Chazal that when you, uh, that that there's the Oynish of the Chikis Akats this this Vetnish Bultel, no matter what. Well, well, so. well. That the Arsamer's point was is after the uh, the Balfour Declaration, it, it was bottled. The whole he, that's what he says. He says now it's not Al Timridu, but it's with their approval. That was his very point. Yeah, but again, the Holocaust proved that Samach was wrong. If the Samach said that, the Holocaust proved that Samach was wrong. But because they, they, there is a coincidence here. On the, on the, I, the think on the, I think on the contrary, I think there's Samach where he possibly would say is you should have gone up to Eretz Yisrael and you wouldn't have been killed in the Holocaust. Should have gone up to Eretz Yisrael and wouldn't be killed in the all Holocaust. All those who went, all those who went, were saved. We we'll say, but most of, uh, of most of those who went uh, went of the derech. There's no uh, there's no Shemeshavos children of the majority of those seventy eighty percent who went. You the know, the majority of those who went were not from to go to begin with. But, so no, we don't I, I know, know. We don't know who stayed from. We know whoever stayed, whoever went, stayed alive. So you no, know, I, it's just there's just no way to know either way. I'm saying there's no. Uh, I, I I had a great a great uncle who went to Israel. Uh, I went to Israel and the, the Tzaddiks uh, because of you know because of Nazi, the Nazi Germany and everything, and and uh, uh, he came back because he couldn't he couldn't uh, he couldn't see he couldn't live with what he saw there. So you know so he was a firm guy and and uh, there's no uh, there's no doubt and, and the same thing with America. I mean there were many people who came to America. The majority in the beginning also became free. Let me ask you another question. <clears throat> um, why would Hitler, the, the most anti-Jewish, the most anti-Zionist country of all the areas in the, in the uh, that were in Europe, pro was most was was Lithuania, Poland was less. I mean, Hungary was sort of you know thirty percent, twenty percent, but the most anti-Zionist was Germany. Because they were all, most Germans were reform at that point, and they weren't religious, and they had no interest in Zionism. This is a historical fact. So the question yeah. is: Isn't it strange that Hitler, who's coming because of Zionism, would come from a country that was the most anti-Zionist, where the Jews were? Okay. Uh, first of all, Hitler was born in Austria, the same place where Herzl, I think, was born. Austria, Hungary. I think Herzl lived in. Herzl lived in Hungary, uh, but uh, I'm not sure if Herzl was born in Hungary and Austria, but he lived in Austria. So you can make the argument that Hitler and Herzl both came from the same place, and they were maybe even neighbors. I don't know. Uh, that's number one. Uh, but the truth is, the Holocaust. There's, there's another. There is another thing with the Holocaust, as Rabbi Wasserman said. Rabbi Wasserman said the Holocaust is a result of Zionism. And also because of uh, you know of, uh, communism, of communism, you know, Jews were involved in, com- in communism, and by communism he meant the atheist communism, the anti-religious part of communism. So he said, uh, he said, uh, um, uh, national socialism, yeah, which is Nazis. National socialism is a combination of nationalism and socialism. So, so to answer to your question. Uh, 
Germany was Germany was also the you know the main force of anti-religious anti-religious uh, anti-religious people. I mean, this this was the the the, the place of uh, reformed Judaism was born. Yeah, I'm just saying. My only point was is that they were also anti-Zionist. Yeah, that's true. Jews in, in Germany were anti-Zionist. Yeah. It's ironic that he would come, he would he would rise to power there. Let me ask you one last thing, and this is something Rav Hutner, um said, as well as the the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said this in his Shabbos. He said, "How could I um, try to give a reason for the Holocaust?" He said, "Even a Navi, when a Navi tried to say." You know, uh, Yeshayi said, but I'm tmeis for Sayyim and Echi Yeshevis, or any Echi Yeshev, to give like, uh, to be, to give, say, uh, you know, sort of, to find a reason for the time of Klal Yisrael, he was Nenash. He said, where does anybody have the right to look at Klal Yisrael and to say, you know, these are Yechatoim and this is why something happened? He said, you know, well, he wasn't speaking about anybody in particular. He said, that's never happened in our history. How would you respond to that? Uh, this is actually what uh, what I began with, you know, that I, we don't want to give reasons. Uh, I, I I don't like to use the word reasons for, for that reason, because this is something we can't understand. This is only for Hashem. We can't understand. Let's not try to understand the Holocaust. This is what I, be, I began with. So let's not try to understand the Holocaust. But based on on the uh, based on what we see in Chazal and, and, and later, that every time when we had some kind of a, you know, a Tzura, you see in the Tzura and in Chazal trying to make sense uh, based, based on on, on political uh, concepts, so it's not it's not a, it's not strange. It's not you know it's actually part of the way we look at things. Mark Twain said it. Everyone, I mean, uh, uh, the second uh, president John Adams wrote it in a, in a letter that we are we are here against the odds. So we are here somehow looking at the table, but they're Okay. So if you go, you know, if if you want to, if if it's B'day Rechnes, then, then you, you, you're being judged differently than other people. So in other words, if, so you, you can say about the Holocaust, if, you, if the Jews were trying to, to settle ourselves based on natural, you know, natural army, natural, uh, you know, how to survive, so God said, okay, you want to be natural? The natural thing is that Jews, uh, Jews uh, you know, as a minority and as a successful minority and as, and as a uh, actually a very successful minority and Jews are everywhere so you can you can you can argue that you know um, that Jews survive during the years is you know is an S. so if you want to do it naturally let's see what happens naturally well Rabbi Kahana thank you very much for your time it's always a, an honor to speak to you Thank you very much. Bye-bye. We have on the phone with us from Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Moshe Tarragon. He's a musmach of Rabbi Yashiber Salavechik. He learned for many years by Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein. He's Rosh Hashiva, a Rosh Hashiva in Gush. And he is uh, well-versed in what is sort of Rabbi Yashiber's hashkatha about the Holocaust. Welcome, Rabbi Tarragon. Thank you, Shalom Aleichem. Thank you for welcoming me. We should have uh, an easy week and see on the Mishpati partner. Amen. So, Rav Targin, could you give over to us as a Talmud of Rabbi Yashiber, what was his hashkafa uh, as per the Holocaust? 
you know, how could this happen to Klal Yisrael? What are we to take from it? Um, in, in a time of in, introspection, which, you know, we're talking about the, the you know, the, the Yaman before Tisha B'Av, the nine days, what was his, it's appropriate time to speak about this. Um, I, I don't want my comments to be misconstrued as reflective of Rabbi Soloveitchik. I was in a share at a very later stage of his career and his life. Um, I certainly was very influenced by him in the Talmudim, so these are, are my own views. I was more of a Talmud of Rav Lichtenstein and Rav Amitel, and I'm assuming there's a lot of coherence between the views. Um, I think, first of all, there's this recognition that anti-Semitism and Sina for, for Yidin is not something random in history. It's not something that just happens to crop up because the Jews behave in a certain way, but it's built into history because we're the Amashem, because the Rabbana Shalom has expectations of us to stand for his presence in this world and to bring condition to this world. And we challenge the world, and the world doesn't like to be challenged. And even though if you interviewed your average Roman or your average Spanish Inquisitor or your average Ukrainian SS guard, they couldn't articulate, oh, because you're the Amashem, that's why we hate you. But it's something subconscious, and it's you know, we believe in what we call metaphysics, that there are forces that we can't put our finger on that are much deeper that shape our experiences. Warren Shabbos says, Loma Nikrishma Harsinai, of all the names, which is the name to stick? It's the name of Harsinai. Yadisinali Olam. And uh, in a certain view, we look at the Holocaust as part of that history. And we look back on Tisha B'Av at all the at all the events that happened, and, and to a degree, it's a continuation of that process. And now that Baruch Hashem Ami is on the rise, we have a vantage point that we can appreciate all the ways that we, we were most than ever Hashem to bring Hashem's presence into this world. And, and Baruch Hashem, it's Hashem's presence is felt far more palpably than at any point in today's Mikdash in our world of Torah and our world of Jewish Renaissance. On the other hand, many believe, and I think many people in my community believe, that it wasn't just part of the continuation of Pogrom. There's a very interesting piece in the Eish Kodesh. I think it was in 1940, he gave a year around Hanukkah, and he made the point, the first point, that why are people complaining about all the Nazi oppression, the face worse in the past, and to be a year to be A year later, he adds a footnote. It's written in the Eish Kodesh. He says, what I said last year, I take back, or I reverse, because after living through 1940 and 1941 in the ghetto, in the Warsaw ghetto, and he saw how hateful and how persecuting and we just said this is a shift in history and this is not just like Zerstachbatad or the Inquisition or the Sarah Malchus. This is something that we have to look at with a fresh set of eyes and, and, and offer a perspective and, and I'm very proud and thankful that you're working so hard at Artisha but to try to make sense of this. So it's really a duality whether we look at it as part of Yardasin Leolam or it's really a shift in history and I think we feel a little bit of each. And a shift in history in what way? There's a sense that towards the end of Gullus, whatever that means, and that can mean hundreds of years, but towards the final chapters of Gullus, there's a sense that things become a lot more bleaker and a lot more intense. Based on the Pasuk and Shir Hashirim, Kihine Astavo Ver Hageshem Chalaf Halachlo. The Chazal Darshan, that there are two parts to Gullus. There's the overall period of Stav, of winter, and then there's the very, very intense and acute suffering of Geshem. So, for example, in Mitzrayim, we were there for 210 years, but only the last 86 years was the Sheba, from when Miriam was born. And there's a sense that at the end of Gaulus, however you define the end, it doesn't mean that Gaulus is over tomorrow, but the, uh, right before, right before the Cham and the Levana come up, there's a certain darkness that we feel. So we're hoping, again, we have to be very, very careful. We don't want to see ourselves as the Adas Elyon. 
And if one thing the Holocaust teaches us, and this is important to remember, is humility before the Rabbana Shalom and not to be overconfident, to, to assume that we can know every move of the Rabbana Shalom. But there's a sense that something is happening in our world, and we have to respond to that and be aware of that. So, to the, to the person, the family that perished in the Holocaust, the million and a half children, why did they die? I mean, what is the, to articulate it, if you had to put a, according to your Hashkafa here that you're saying over, what would the B reason be? I don't think anyone to, to, to ask that question or to answer that question is to both be insolent to Kodesh Baruch Hu and to have, uh, I think, moral insensitivity. When you're dealing with something at such a large scale, we just walk away with cautious. I mean, life is uh, anything. Tishabab reminds us that right? person sits in the corner, maybe we don't even know. When Rebbe read this passage, the matter says Rebbe started bawling. Because the Lashon of Hechaz, Ulaye Yeshev Badat Yidam, Ulaye Yeshev Maybe this Tikva, what does that even mean? We have Atachat and Akadish Parchu, that of course we have a Tikva. But we live in a world in which um, our trajectories and our timelines are very different from the Ibn Shalom. And of course we have Atachat, we have to rely on, but uh, to try to either make predictions and have overconfidence about how history is unfolding, or to try to apply simple solutions as if oh, they died on behalf of the famous story of Rebbe Khanan who was taken out of the attic. He was learning Sechus Nida, and he was taken, and and he saw that there was really no no chance to escape, and he gave that very famous shmuz that who knows if these karbanas that we're offering now, if these karbanas of bikkudisho v'tar, who knows what type of zechuyos we'll have around this one uh, and against Machshavas people, and we would hope that all those karbanas are are zechuyos and shemayim for how Amisrael is evolving by Hashem so capably, but to make a one-to-one association that this family or these people died so that there should be more Torah in our world and more Kedusha and what. These are, these are equations that are in, in Hakilo Machshiv Osai Machshiv Oseichem Velo Darchechem Derechai. These are Kodesh Baruch Hu's equations and we dare not enter that calculus. So, <clears throat> when, you, when you say the Hashkafa from Rav Amital, you say that, or, or from Rav Aaron or from Yashaber, you say, I'm, I'm just trying to synopsize He's saying it it wasn't just part of the Halach Yelach. You say over from the Ishkaidish, this is a change, this is worse than ever ha- whatever happened before. So as a Maimon, how are we supposed to understand that? Why did something worse than ever happened before happen to us? And is the only answer that we're saying is, look, we don't know. Like, what was, was there Ashkafa? We don't know. Like, give me some more. But I think Ravami uh, Tal, and, and I heard this from Alarazi, to offer simple solutions philosophically, hashkafically, it's, it's impossible. And everyone lives with kashas, and this teaches us to live with kashas. I think what he spoke about more is the te- how do we act after the Holocaust? What's, what's our responsibility after the Holocaust? So, in some ways, Ravami Tal, again, I, I, I was very influenced. He was a Holocaust. He, um, he went through the Holocaust in ways that Rav Luchtenstein and Rav Yashubai did not. So, a lot of my hashkafa about the Holocaust was imprinted. And influenced by his discussions about real life experiences, he told us what it was like in concentration camps, what it was like davening in cellars and ghettos. He talked about how, after Am Yisrael has proven its commitment to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, there's a Chavos uh, says that the central midah, the muna, is Hakarasatel. You should be thankful to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. He felt in the post Holocaust world to build the Avodas Hashem around that midah 
when we have so many kashas and so much frustration, so much tragedy and so much crying during Yisqar, it's just inauthentic. You can tell yourself, but as a human being, it's hard to live with a world of such grotesque death and nightmarish. So he talked about a pasuk in Eil, You can kill me, but I'll still wait for you. There's a type of a love and a type of an ahava that surpasses expectations and that isn't conditional upon reciprocity and what and I'm so almost has proven itself that we love our Kaddish Baruch Hu so deeply that we don't have an answer to this and we were murdered and we suffered it doesn't make a difference our love for you is so deep and it's been proven at this point in history it's almost as if the Holocaust is in Yisrael for Am Yisrael and Am Yisrael escaped and, and Baruch Hashem survived it with, with a heightened level of Amuna. And because of that, a heightened level of expectation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we've proven ourselves to you, and we're able to be Maminim even after something of this nature. And that has strengthened and consolidated our relationship. And somehow a lot of us feel, especially those who feel that there's some religious meaning in living in Eretz Yisrael and rebuilding our people in general, we feel that this is a Kiddush Hashem, and, and the ability to take Chil Hashem and Kiddush Hashem from a small equation, how you're going to act when you go to the baseball game, you're going to throw popcorn on your neighbor or act quietly, to a larger question that we're living, what happens now, and so we flexed At the third Kenneth of the Aguda, 1936, where Menachem Zemba was asked to speak, and he was also perishing the Holocaust in the Warsaw Ghetto, and he basically outlined the two different sheetos about Eretz Yisrael, those who were supporting the return to Eretz Yisrael and those who were not supporting it as a, as a Yad Hashem. And he basically said, a very interesting piece, it's written up in, in the Chidushim, says each person feels that this is a question of Kiddush Hashem. Those who feel that we should just focus on Talmud Torah and I'll be Mekadosh Hashem and those who feel that restoring broader organic nation of Eretz Yisrael and Am Yisrael is also, and that was written before the Shoah. In the, in the heels of the Shoah, in the wake of the Holocaust, we felt the dramatic shift in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence between 1945 and the world we inhabit also helps us gain perspective on what happened. When you say it helps you gain perspective, are you saying that a reason, part of the reason for the Holocaust is maybe that Kali Yisrael should be returned back to Eretz Yisrael? Or this is just a Kiddush Hashem that was the Rabbi Shalom after the Chil Hashem of the Hastaras Panim of the Holocaust, this was a Kiddush Hashem was needed sort of to counteract the great Chil Hashem. Absolutely the second. Quanti- qualitatively, the se- unconditionally the second, and in no way the first. But it's the ability to... I grew up in Brooklyn, so for me, the whole world of Kiddush Hashem and Chil Hashem was, as I said before, in a very narrow space, how they're going looking at me in a museum or in a public area. But the ability to live your life as a, through the narrative of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Kiddush and Chil Hashem. What's the presence of a member of Amital on the first day of Rosh Hashanah? His shmuz before Musaf would be, we used to joke about it amongst the Tzalmin, it would be the State of the Union address. Basically, what is the state of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus in this world? Because it's the day of Malchus. The second day he would speak about HaKadosh Yitzchak. The first day, like, has it been a good year or a bad year for Malchus? So, for example, in 1991, when communism fell, being that this was a culture that was predicated upon the denial of a Kurdish Barucho, its demise was an uptick, an augmentation of Malchus Hashem. So we're having this conversation now in ways that it was hard to have in 1945. Islamic fundamentalist terror. It's an attack on their Bonashon. They're, they're, they're hijacking the face of Kutchibrucho. A Kurdish Barucho is Salah Racham and Bechesed Bechayim. It's a Rambam writes in the Chashabis. Chesed Racham Bechayim 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 Bech
And they're painting a uh, Ramona that doesn't exist. That he, he's angry when pe- he's happy when people die, and he's bloodthirsty, and he's uh, vengeful. Essentially, they're kofrim, because when you deny the Darche Hashem, even though you're suggesting that you speak in the name of, of God, you're describing a dibbuk that doesn't exist. So the sense that we have to be the proxies or the agents of Bar Hashem in this world, I think, was brought into sharper relief by the events of the last century. So I don't think we're asking philosophically why it happened. That's already uh, in a very, very dangerous ground to be on, to justify the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to human beings. But in response, and that's really how you didn't behave. We don't ask, uh, you know, Eov, the entire book of Eov is trying to, Miguel Asif is trying to understand why things happen. And all of his friends come and visit him and give this sheet or that sheet to make sense of the problem of evil in the world. And Miguel Asif is very, very parallel to Miguel Asif. Very parallel. There must be 10 or 15 parallels. And people suffer, and Naomi suffers the same way Eov does. But no one asks why. It's not a philosophy to mention. It's how can we change the world? How can we do acts of chesed? for people to be able to rebuild a shattered world based on what's in Hashem and the next of chesed. Rabbi Tarragon, what would you say to the following um, thought? You know, the Arachayim HaKadosh, and it's based on the Zayra HaKadosh, says that by, uh, by Yosef HaTzadik, it says, Vaboy Rei Gein Mayim. Rashi says, Mayim Ein Boi Avon Chashem Vakravim Yashboi. So Arachayim says, he says, they asked, Ma betza achinu, right? What's the benefit of mm-hmm. killing him? So what do they do? They throw him into a place that's full of vipers and scorpions. So what is, so the Rechaim asks, what, what was the benefit of it? So the Rechaim says, he says, the Shvatim Scheshben was, he says, if, if any person, uh, uh, any because of Bechira, has the right to kill anybody else, a tzaddik gomer could be narrowed by a rasha. That's what Bechira says. In other words, if a tzaddik gomer was walking across the street and a rasha came running at him with a knife and he tried to stab him and the knife bounced off magnetically, there would be no more Bechira. He says, that's the Kayach HaBechira. But animals, however, nature, that is not, they have no Bechira. So he says, if the Nachashim and Akravim kill him, then we know he's really a rasha. And if they don't, then we know he's not royal Lamisa. But the fact that a human could kill him Proves nothing. Any human could kill any other, any other human. That is Bechira. And so my question to you is, why doesn't anybody say that Bechira allows real evil to grow in this world? In fact, Zelu Mazeh, as much good as is Ezra. And so therefore we ask, how could a Holocaust happen? Well, once the Rabbani Shalom Kaviachal opened up Pandora's box by releasing Bechira, then anything can happen. And why do we see it as a, a Shiloh when we already have Rishonim, Achreinim, Zayra Kaddish that say this explicitly? Look, it's a very, very valid point. And it's uh, the cornerstone of, uh, of our Muna. In fact, in Eicha, the three Psukim, the Ramam quotes. These are the three Psukim that the Ramam quotes. This is probably the the, the greatest synopsis of Bechir Hashish in the entire. So to a degree, our response to evil and tragedy is exactly as you said. Well, that's the ticket of admission, so to speak, into the world of Bechir Hashish. So um, it's certainly correct. On the same token, from this wagon, we believe that, as you said, a uh, Russia Gamor can walk down Fifth Avenue and stab a Saudi Gamor. But there are some larger trajectories in history that a Kaddish Baruch Hu still maintains, right? You wouldn't assume, for example, 
that the Chirachashif would allow someone to eternally and perpetually forestall be Hashem Mashiach, right? That's the term is, that the Belen Shalom has set in stone. And whatever evil and whatever arcs people cook up that could, in theory, in a mathematical world of vectors and possibilities, blunt it and prevent it, it's simply not on the table, right? The Baruch will be Nechnas Olam and will reshape Ratzan Adam and reshape Masi Adam. So we still believe that there are some general, as the Rambam writes, that the Rambam writes in Nechaz Kiddush HaChodesh, that if there would never be, if there would be a time in history in which there wouldn't be Yidin living in Eretz Yisrael, and even if Yidin living in Eretz Yisrael, then our entire system of Yem Tavim would collapse, because in his mind, the Kiddush HaChodesh never ended. When the Luach was said, it was based on the Samchos of the Amisho living in Eretz Yisrael. So there are, as we would call, nuclear options, which are pretty far from the land. And if he does allow them, it's because he has a reason, not because people chose them on their own initiative. So if a Kaddish Baruch destroys the Beis Hamikdash, it's not simply because Nebuchadnezzar was an up-and-coming superstar who was able to marshal all that. In fact, he's saying in Menecha, Yitzhah Rose, that a Kaddish Baruch who empowers Nebuchadnezzar, he's just a pawn. And whoever attacks the Jewish people, ultimately, we all fight in a lightweight division. That's what we say. We fight in a heavyweight division. And all of our enemies ultimately are the heavyweights of history based on the Maharal because we have to, we have to repair whatever Chesronos we bring to history. So it's Nebuchadnezzar, Yavan, it's Paris and Madai. We're not, we're not being afflicted by people in Iceland. It's Spain and Soviet Union and Nazi Germany and, and Islamic fundamentalism. It's always at the center point of, of history. So that's why I think, although your your answer is the cornerstone of what happened, is that Akhrish Baruch cannot allow certain events to occur. Something of this magnitude, not without a reason, of course, not based on simple Hashem, something of this magnitude would fall into that category. So that's why people have kashas. How could a Kodesh Baruch Hu something like this? You can't just say that Hitler chose it. Well, Rabbi Tarragon, thank you very much for your time, and it was, a, it was an honor to have you on with us. Thank you, and hopefully this should be the last year. We should, we should, we should throw out the kinos. You should throw out the tapes for the tishah for the recording. Okay, thank you. Call trip to all of all of This is Epstein. Yes. Hi, this is David Luchtenstein. How are you? Thank you. So we're doing a show on the Holocaust. Yes. And we wanted to talk to a survivor who actually had been through it. Yes, I understand. So, can you tell us your story? Well, my name, my maiden name is uh, Sengra. I'm from Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, my, name, my name is Ruth Epstein, née Sengra. And um, I was uh, in Germany during the Kristallnacht, which um, was a very traumatic experience because we lived right across the street from a base Medvish, and early in the morning they started throwing out the Sifre Teure and put a match to it. We were standing behind the curtain right across the street, and we took Kriya, and uh, then they marched us to the police station, and uh, we stayed there the whole day. The uncertainty has been already felt quite a bit before, but everybody thought it'll pass. Unfortunately, as we know, it did not pass, and we paid a big, big price for it. I, my parents sent me on a kinder transport uh, the end of the year. This happened November 10th and December 6th, 
we had six, uh, we were six siblings. One of them is one of the six million, and the other we all got out in different parts. However, the family at that time was split up and uh, never returned to its original compose, component the way it was. What did, my, do, what did your father do in, in Frankfurt? My father was a Mochus Forum. He was uh, had a Forum store with all the Tashmisha uh, Kodesh. And uh, he had his rabbi come to his store every day to learn. He was not interrupted. He's from Bavaria, from a small town, Wiesen, And uh, he had worked for my grandfather, Olofsholm, and... Uh, then he married my mother from the store and took it over. He uh, he never went to yeshiva, but our home was a very different type of home. It wasn't typical, uh, I don't know if you know, Yekish or call it German, because my father used to bring home uh, travelers who needed a place. It was more of an open home where the rigidity of Germany was a bit, uh, not was not felt there. Anyway, I was sent to France, and uh, when the war broke out in France, uh, my family I was with, they they, uh, they went to Vichy, they had, uh, Hitler then came. I was not in a concentration camp, but I was in a non-Jewish uh, atmosphere. After I uh, left the family, they put me into the into an orphanage and signed papers. I could go on a kinder transport, the second one, uh, to America. Reaching America, I was put again in another orphanage, which was not kosher. It was Jewish, but not kosher. And since I was religious, they had no place where to put me. I was sent to another orphanage in California, which was, again, not it was Jewish by name, but nothing felt... I was in California for four years and lived in a family which had a non-Jewish housekeeper. So, of course, the uh, uh, food and all that I was not able to eat, except I, Baruch Hashem, uh, survived on fruits and vegetables. Let me ask you, what happened to your siblings and your parents? What happened to the family? Two of my uh, brothers were sent to Switzerland, to Mishpacher. And one was my younger brother, and one was one older brother. My sister was went to was sent to England. My brother, who had been sent to England first, was able to secure papers. So what I say, Hashem always sends the refuel before the marker. He was able to get my parents out and my uncle. And um, my father, Olaf Shalom, unfortunately did not survive and passed away the first year. Uh, I was away from home, so I never saw my father again. My Jewish education stopped at age 12, and I never had any other education in Yiddishkeit until uh, <clears throat> many years later when I came to Baltimore. This is all, my whole life is one story of Hashkoch Protis. I always say, if we, if we don't leave Hashem, He does not leave us. He's watching over us, but we have to connect to him. Zephine, how would you, when you meet survivors who are less fortunate, Yeah. and they, you know, we've spoken to somebody who's one of ten, the only one who survived, and it's very common. How do you explain to them 
like, you know, the Holocaust. How could the Rabbi Shalom allow such a terrible thing to happen to the Jewish people? How do you respond to them? I'm sure well, you can ask per- this question. I personally uh, don't think it's Hashem. It's our match actions. If we can, every, uh, I just wrote about that. I write every week uh, a, a letter of the Vitorium, send it to quite a few people. I just wrote that Hashem is there for us to do good. He wouldn't do anything that's not good. The problem is, in every generation we've had misfortunes, we come to a new land, we stay there, we become some wealthy, some not, but it's a refuge. And then we build up. When we get all uh, comfortable and set, a little goes away on one side, a little on the other side, not by everybody, of course, but Hashem wants us to learn we should connect to Him and not to the surrounding around us. Whatever is out, we have to have. Why? This is my question. Yeah, but, Osher, but Ruth, has, but Ruth yeah? two to three million from a Jews were killed in the Holocaust. You're right. You're all right. of Red- Redomsk, Bells, Sons, Ger, all of Alexander, hundreds of thousands were wiped out. There were all, many oh. of them... How do you explain to somebody who went through that? I can understand if somebody you feel had you know, a lot of avarice or something, their, maybe their actions brought it's it. It's not necessarily their avarice. They may be paying the price for generations before them that have not kept the way Hashem would like to see us keeping Torah and mitzvahs. And I'm not a judge, and I, there's only one supreme judge. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu only gives us uh, what shall I say, Nishyoynes, along the road of life, in order to turn to Him and not to look outside of our uh, own uh, beautiful Messiah uh, of our Torah. We should connect to Hashem and not to the people living around us. Like I say, Am uh, Yisrael is compared to a Yoyno. And if you know Yisrael Yoyno, Yud, Vov, Yud, Vov, Nun, Yoyno, Yud, Vav, Nun, Hey. The Hey, the Yivonim wanted to take away the Hey, the Torah from us. All the other nations have always tried to destroy us, either physically or uh, spiritually. And if you take away the Hey from the Yonah, what remains? Yavon. They wanted to be like, we come to us, be like us. But we, are supp- we have the strength of character to be able to go against the stream and uh, keep Hashem, Smitzes, and Torah, no matter where you are. And the Holocaust, I don't, I'm not a judge. I'm not trying to uh, justify anyone. But I tell you one thing that I felt being a teacher, the, the, the survivors, many of them of the Holocaust, who built new lives, could not give them a shama to their children because they were so burnt out. But they were striving to make money in order to compensate with money, with gifts, with whatever you want. And I never accepted that because I said, this is just what Akkadosh Baruch didn't want. This is a lesson we should have learned. I know it was a dear lesson to pay. I know I was only 13 when I left home, never saw my family until I aged 19. And during those years, I was in a midbashimomo, without Yiddishkeit, without anything. But because of the strong foundation I had at home, I think I survived. Because when I came to America, uh, especially California, Hollywood, I uh, I had to, couldn't find 
anyone uh, to keep shower mitzvahs like I was used to. But I was trying, and I did the best I could. And uh, Baruch Hashem, Hashem was with me, and I stayed wholesome, I hope, in the uh, respect when Hashem looks at me and judges me. But I can't judge anybody else. I only say it's not the people of the Holocaust necessarily who were punished for maybe what happened in generations before. I don't know. But I look at it very differently, and I have a very different outlook in life. And what have we supposed to learn? Compassion for one another, helping one another, and not look in it, what's in it for me? What can I get out of it? But what can I give? Hashem is a giver. We should be givers. We should emulate Hashem's ways in order that Hashem should accept us as His Am Yisrael. And that's what we're waiting for now for Mashiach. But everybody has it on their lips. Many, many people are crying for it. Many people are just uh, saying, yeah, Mashiach comes out, come to, to Eretz Israel. My husband, Oliver Sholem, was in concentration camp for six years under the Russian, under the Russians. And his father died there, his grandmother died there. His father said on his deathbed to my mother-in-law, send my husband to Yeshiva and go to Eretz Israel. And Baruch Hashem, we both went to, uh, to this, uh, what his father had wanted. We had many, many missionaries along the way. And one of them, my husband and I, uh, we built our lives together on nothing, but we had everything because we had each other. If you would realize, after the chasana, we had $56 between us, but we were happy. Today you can give a castle and all the money. Money doesn't bring happiness. I find on the contrary, too much money may sour happiness. And uh, Baruch Hashem, we built a life and we, we established a school for the deaf and we've been always involved in works where nobody else seems to have taken the reins. And Baruch Hashem, I can say, it has paid off Kerfel Keflayim because we had a son who was deaf and there was no school for him. So my husband and I founded one in America and one in Eretz Israel. And I say, if we didn't do anything else but just give the school so our son should stay on the right track, it was worth it. Because his family he built is... I, I, can't, I have no thanks. I thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu every moment. For the goodness, even though I know I was deprived in many ways, but the lesson of life I have learned is Hashem gave us a Torah, which is a klichendo, a, a, a which is supposed to be the most important part of our lives. And unfortunately, we always look today around where, what, what can we do better, what can we have better, why. Why not look into in, inside yourselves? We are born with such a great treasure in us, our neshama. Why not keep our neshama pure and uh, work to elevate our neshama instead of dragging it down to the mundane things of today's life and uh, existence? I don't uh, relate to that. My husband always used to say, dead fish go with the stream, live fish go against stream. So don't be a dead fish. In other words, what he went through is quite a different story. I won't even go into that. It would take me too long. But all I can do is I thank the Rodosh Hu for having tested me and having been able to raise a wholesome family that I can put my head down in any one of my children's uh, uh, homes 
and not worry about cashless or anything else. This, I think, is the greatest reward one can get. The money in the bank we don't take with us. And doing chesed and doing being compassionate to others, this is what's going to get an entrance ticket. This is what we can fill our suitcases with rather than money which today is one of the great misyonists and many people succumb to it. Another thing I think is very much lacking now is a personal relationship. We used to sit around the table doing homework. Everything was together in the family. Today the families are split up because each one has to have or needs or wants these little gadgets, which is our destruction. Don't use it. Turn back. Use what Hashem gave us, your seichel, to be an oivet Hashem, an evet Hashem, and do what is right. This is my way of looking at life. And I Well, thank you, Mrs. Epstein. That was very, very... Uh passionate and and wise and we thank you very much for your thoughts. And this is the answers to uh, last week's uh, halacha riddle. Hi, I wanted to comment on the riddle about the Guresha Slumafreya situation. I think that when the, when the get is chal after 30 days, we make the tenai and the long arm of the tenai goes back in time and activates the get Lumafreya, then she's Guresha Slumafreya but we don't rewrite history, Lumafreya. In other words, to say that, oh, since she's Mugaresh, Lumafreya, therefore the nether comes back to life now because the hafar of the Baldit is no good, that far you don't go. Because the Tanai is just on the Maisa that it's attached to. And the Gerishin is attached to the Tanai of Shloshim Yom. So from Shloshim Yom, the Gerishin gets activated, Lumafreya. But to say now she's Mugaresh, Lumafreya, and therefore the hafar is no good, and now, the, now you want to resuscitate the nether, the nether in real time was dead. The Baal was made for it. He was the Baal at that time. And it can't be resuscitated through a Tanai, the Mafreya, because that's not how Mafreya works. I believe Rav Shimon says this somewhere in the Shari Yosher. Yeah.